Are you ready for the word? What a good word for you, dear. <clears throat> I'm so happy that you made it to church today. It's a declaration that you're not afraid. And that you're not being intimidated by uh, what's happening. You know, it doesn't mean that we're not considerate um, and or, or we sympathize with people who are suffering. But I want you to know that, that, that what God has given us is His Spirit. His Spirit. Not to fear. What God has given us, He's given us a spirit to not fear, but a power loving sound. And a sound mind. So which means, if God has given us His Spirit, the choice to not fear is ours. So, during uncertain times, such as the days that we live in, it is paramount for us to understand that perilous times, or dangerous times, or high-risk times, causes us to become dubious. Uh, and what I, what I mean by that is dangerous times, or, or dire circumstances, or high-risk, the days that we live in, it really causes us to, or rather exposes us or our hearts to see really what our life is built upon. These times of testing is really not God's punishment upon people. This time of this time of of. Um, of testing is really not God saying, I'm angry with the earth. Please listen to me very carefully. God is not angry with the earth. God is not upset with the earth. This is a man-made issue. When the Lord, when it happened and I heard about it, the Lord spoke to me and He said, this is a pharmaceutical issue. And I'm exposing it now. Because it has one more week to repent. It's, a, it's what's been done before. It's about money. It's about producing a vaccine and making money. But at the, at, at the cost of human lives. But there's judgment that is coming to them. God is judging His people as righteous. And the righteous will stand in the gap for the people who don't have a voice. People who don't know God. We stand in the gap for them. These testing times or times of trials really come to reveal how easy it is for us to really crumble and be shaken when what happens is out of our control. This is something that is out of our control and when it started happening, the Lord told me, just don't even give it attention. Don't even listen to the news. Don't even try to research it. Don't even try to search it. Don't do anything. 
just ignore it. When we, um, when it was Abner and Sam's wedding, it was in Thailand, which is one, which was one of the countries that was supposed to be the hotbed of of this activity, which is close to wherever it is. <laughs> we decided to go there, and not out of uh, 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 not out of um, fear or I'm trying to prove a point. But you must understand, when God has given us a word that no virus will touch our church, He will present us the option to go into a place where the virus is being, is having, is creating havoc. You understand? And so we chose to celebrate. We chose joy over suffering. We chose joy over fear. And we chose to celebrate two people who, who are, who are, who are becoming one flesh before God. I mean, we, what other choice do we have? I mean, we look at the fire and we walk into it. Do you understand? It's high time the Church of Jesus Christ um, spends um, its time uh, not reacting to situations, but responding to it. A lot of times we react, they say studies have shown that we, we spend 90% of our time and energy reacting to 10% of what happens to us. We, we spend, studies have shown that hum, human beings have a tendency to spend 90% of their time reacting to 10% of what really happens to us. I give an example, I mean, this is something that happened in China, but as soon as it happened in China, everybody here started shaking. And then we started researching. You spend more time researching about something that is happening in China than what God is telling you every single day. So we, situations, and, I, and I, the prophetic word for 2020 was that tests are coming and this time they're bigger than what we've experienced before. Remember that? Remember? Oh, you forgot. Remember? Huh? I said the giants are coming and they're big. And in the month of March itself, it came. It, which means they're obeying the prophetic word. Question is, are you? Because if God is for you, who can be against you? I mean, we can go through scripture after scripture in the Bible uh, that really confirms to us that God is really for us and not against us and He defends us and He fights our battles for us and, and you sit down and watch, see the salvation of the Lord, lift up your heads, oh you gates, you know, the Lord lifts us up when the flood comes in. I mean, I can quote, keep on quoting scripture to, to you and I, but at the end of the day, quoting scripture does not rescue you in a moment of trial. Yeah. It is what you believe in. Yeah. You can't quote scripture and try to believe it when the circumstance comes because you have no fruit to offer. That's a good word, man. So in times like this, you know, do we run to the church for hope or are we the church with hope? Do we run to 
the church, pastor, 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 pastor. I, when I come into the church, do I, do I run to the church? Do I come here for the service because I need a word of encouragement because I'm being defeated? Or am I in my workplace being a beacon of light and hope, being, being salt and light in the darkness? Is, is that who we are? Or Because these circumstances really come to us to challenge us, but also to reveal to us what our lives are really built on. You understand what I'm saying? If your life is built upon what the world has to offer, which is 99% of your time, you spend clubbing, you spend partying, you spend going to work, you spend more time going to work than with God. Not a problem. But I just want to tell you, the little time that you spend with God has no effect. We spend more time developing our career and then when the virus comes, your career just crumbles before you. We spend so much time building a business. And I, just wanted, I just want to highlight to you right now that what we tend to build our lives with has to be the Word of God. Because the Word of God is eternal. The, the word of this world is not eternal. And this situation really is evidence, it should prove to you and I, that when we put our faith in the word of this world, the, the pleasures of this world, the, the momentary pleasures of this world, when the testing does come, you will see it fade away. I mean, just think about it. This circumstance is only two months old. Right? Two months old. Within two months, nations are becoming prisons. You understand? Nations are becoming prisons. People cannot, if they go to another country, they have to stay 14 days, and then another 14 days in their house before they meet people in this nation. But this is not only this country, this is every, every country. Trade is being affected. I mean, economies are crashing. Stock market is crashing. It just tells you where are you investing your money? Where are you investing your time? Because the word of God is his word, which is eternal. Which means that God's promises to you are eternal. God's word, God's church has outlasted every institution. It has outlasted every economy. It has outlasted Hundreds of viruses outlasted all dictators. It has outlasted all kings, all queens. It has outlasted every virus, and every sickness, every destruction, every earthquake, everything, every tsunami. The word of God has outlasted them all. But yet we choose to spend most of our time dwelling on the things of this world. And it is in moments like this that we really get a reality check of how much of God is really in us. They say that, that when 9-11 had happened in the U.S., there were more people in churches than ever before. Do you understand? It was fear of losing their lives that caused them, that drove them to church because the church was the beacon of hope. Come on, man. You're a beacon of hope. You're a 
darkness. It has outlasted every other bomb that existed. You can get you can get the most powerful bulb and shine it. But when you switch that light off, it's gone. But then you can have a source of life on the inside of you that never goes out. You must understand, he has given you his spirit. He says, wait for the promise to come. So the title of my message today is The Promise of God. I want you to open, I want you to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 7. Are you there? Say amen. I just want to read three verses and we'll take it from there. Verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken them, liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell. And great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus has ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now, Jesus is teaching us, you and I today, in a moment of crisis, he's trying to reveal to us where, what is our foundation? What are we building our life upon? So, if you, if you read the context of this, of this passage, it is about you carrying the responsibility for building your life. Do you understand? You're the one that God put in charge over your life. And you are the person who decides what to build your life upon and how to build your life. He's saying, those who do these things. Those who hear my word and do these things. Or not do these things. So now you're in a place to receive the word. And after you leave this church. After you not leave this church. After you go home from church. Don't leave this church. I cancel the word. <laughs> and those who do these sayings of mine. Will be like a wise man who builds his house upon a rock, or a foolish man who builds his house upon a sand, upon sand. But the responsibility of building your life is yours. Now you can look at the world and you can say, Well, you know, I need a house, I need a car, I need a business, I need I need this, I need that, I need five children, I need four children, I don't know, whatever it is, how many ever you need, one child, whatever it is, and I need children and children and their children and their children and their children upon their children, and I want to be live a long life, and you can look at all of these things. Nothing wrong with it, but you can't build your life upon it. 
You can't look at you can't look at this beautiful city that we live in and say that this everything that we built in this city and all our jobs and all our businesses will last forever. Don't don't fool, please don't be fooled by it. To think that a house which which is built in in, in this nation which will last you 25, 30 years, right? You, you answer what I mean? We can't think that it, it remains forever. Only you can. So what are you building your life upon? Are you building your life upon something that is eternal or temporary? Because Jesus is, is talking to us today and he's saying, man, he says a man, but you know, but he says a wise man. <laughs> we are the ones who carry the responsibility. He's not like moving in heaven saying, oh, okay, look, 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 okay, they're not believing. Okay, he came to church today, he heard me speak to him and now he's gone to the club. And he's drinking and he's smoking and he's doing whatever, whatever, whatever. And now, man, look at him, such a disappointment. He just leaves you. He just lets you be. He gives you his word and then he trusts you. Because when the time does come for you to know, to see the evidence of what you've built in your life, the testing will prove. God doesn't have to punish you. He doesn't do it. But he allows Mr. Storm, Dr. Virus, <laughs> all these things to just come close. What do you mean? Come to you. It's in the, in the news. They're the first ones who get attacked by the virus. <laughs> you understand? And then when you listen to them, and you build your life upon what they say, go, Senator, wash your hands. How oh, 500 times you wash your hands in a day? I mean, it's foolish. But yet we think that we can wash our hands 500 times and walk into a place and a person sneezes, what are you going to wash? You can't go and wash your face 500 times. It's only going into your system. Don't be foolish. We respond better to fear and anxiety than we respond better to the word of God. So Jesus, you must understand, we're talking about building a house. Building a house. Building your life. Jesus says, I go to my father. And in my father's, listen to me now very carefully, is the revelation about to drop. In my father's house are many mansions. And I go to prepare them for. You understand? So Jesus now is going to build a house for. And he's given you his word to build your house upon, upon him. So in essence, what I'm trying to say is when you build your house upon the rock that is Jesus Christ, you build your house upon his word, you apply his word into your life every single day, the word begins to build your house. So every time I build my house upon Jesus, the rock, how do I do that? Is when I come to church, I listen to the word and I apply it every single day of my life. When I'm in the Word every day, reading the Word, I'm not reading the Word because it's a religious requirement. I'm reading the Word because the Word is reading me. I need the Word to read me. Why? 
is because there's something of the world in me. There's something of the old man in me that still exists that need to go. And I'll tell you, it's very important. Just hold on to that thought. Because it, it's very important that we build our lives upon something that is eternal. Why? It's because when testing does come, it is only eternal that will remain. It is only something that is eternal will remain. Are you with me? Are you with me? I'm assuming that you need an example. <laughs> let's say, let's say, <clears throat> I need perfect health in my body. And although I have I've been given this body and I need perfect health. Now health is a promise that is given to me from what Jesus paid a price for. 2,000 years on the cross, Jesus paid a price 2,000 years ago. Jesus, did I, what did I say? Uh, 2,000 years ago, ago, Jesus paid the price for sickness and disease, death on the cross, right? He paid the price for it. Right? So now today, when my body begins to, there's a test, and my body begins to, to show signs of something happening in my body that is not normal, the, the test is, do I put my faith in God's word, or do I put my faith in medicine? First. Do you understand? Do I put my faith in his body and his blood, or in Panadol first? See, because that's where, that's the test. The two words always given to you. Either you choose life or death. Now, I'm not saying medicine is bad. Please, don't get me wrong. Medicine is good. But faith that is on a rock, when you begin to build your life and you say, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. I was healed. I am healed. I will be healed. Perfect health is my portion. And you begin to you begin to dig deep into the perfect health of Christ. That Christ gives you the virtue of healing into your body. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, your body will begin to react according to the word that you believe. You understand? Medicine works. Please don't get me wrong. Medicine works, but if you run first to medicine and not to your faith in God's word, it will reveal to you. Medicine will maintain you, but God will give you life for eternity. Does that help? Does that help? Right? So now, you have, <clears throat> you have a man that God calls wise, God calls wise, building his house upon a rock. Say rock. rock. Now, two people are building their house. And you must understand that the common denominators for both of them, are you listening? Yes. Common denominators for both of them is wind and waves. What does that tell you? It tells you that they're building their house close to the water. They're building their house close to the water. Please track with me now. There's a revelation that's about to drop. The foolish man who builds his house upon the promises of the world builds his house upon the sand 
But also the wise man builds his house in the same area. Why? Because it's waves, wind that comes upon the house. Okay? One digs, doesn't find rock, and then says, enough, I'll build my house. It's deep enough. Another one digs till he finds rock.
is from the main source. It is the word of God. It is the promises of God. He gives us his word and he, he, he says, son, one day I was so disappointed because I asked people feedback for my message in our church. Asked them for a message. I was like, oh my God, I think I'm, if I listen anymore, I think I'm going to walk away being depressed. But, <laughs> but, but, but the Lord told me, he encouraged me and he said, son, your job is to throw the seed. You just throw the seed. Just let, give them the word. If they are sleepy, the seed will hit your head.
Jesus calls life church global a wise man. A wise man. You know why? Because this house builds their house. Each person builds their own house upon the rock. And when you build your house upon the rock, the rock begins to build your house. And when the rock begins to build your house, the gates of hell cannot prevail against them. Let there be any disease, let there be any virus, let there be any war or rumors of war or famine, you will always have food on your table. Why? It's because you did not build your house, you decided to build his house. And when you build his house, he begins to build your house. It's not your responsibility to put food on your table, it is his responsibility to put food on your table. It's not your responsibility to pay your kids' fees. It is his responsibility to pay your kids' fees. It's not your responsibility to buy a car. It is his responsibility to give you a car because your entire life is built upon the word of God. Come on now. There are people in this church who are receiving that word. I release new cars in this house in Jesus' name. wise man was patient, was persistent, and had faith, and he dug deep. In this church, we like the word going deep. deep word. We're not satisfied with just sandy words. Although the dogs like the sandy words. <laughs> right? Every time you build your life upon a promise, a promise that God gives you. Yes, it will it will cause you to grow in endurance and patience. Long suffering. Ah, come on, Pastor. This is not what the time. You this is not the time to talk to me about painful stuff. This is the time to tell me what I need to hear to, to prep myself up so I can go back to the office and, and not pretend like my life is about to crash. <laughs> If you came here expecting that, you're going to be disappointed. Because what I'm about to say really is about patience, persistence, character, endurance, all long-suffering, oh, long-suffering. <laughs> long-suffering. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 12, uh, Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. I want to read from verse 12. Actually, I'll read from verse 11 because that's the writer's prayer for you. He says, and, if, and we desire, are you there? Yes. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. And here's it, 12. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. He's encouraging us. Don't become sluggish, lazy. Don't become... Uh, 
Don't become a procrastinator. But be sharp. Be sharp. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. If you find yourself in a moment, please look, at, look up at me. If you find yourself in a moment where you are feeling sluggish, you're feeling, oh no, you know, oh, I read the news today and I'm really feeling low. Uh, I, I read the newspaper about what they're saying about what's happening here now. I read all these things and I'm, and, and I'm, and I'm feeling really low. It means that your spirit has been, you allow your spirit to be crushed. And when that happens, the writer of Hebrews is saying, imitate those, imitate those who have gone before you. Why? Because those guys, through faith and patience, have inherited their promises. I have a question for you. Has God given you a promise? Yes. Each one of you, has God given you a promise? Yes. Say yes or no. Just yes. Yes. He has given you promises. Right? So if he has given you your promises, my question for you is, has it happened yet? Some, but some haven't happened yet. Right? So for the ones that are, that are yet to come, he's saying what you need is faith and patience. Faith and patience. Now I want you to go to, to verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could not swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Hello. That is phenomenal. An eternal God is swearing by himself. Oh my goodness. That's, anyway, that's a message in itself. He could not swear by no one greater, so he swore by himself saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. There we go. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained He obtained the promise. It's very important for us to understand that what God is presenting to us is an opportunity to be built up by His Word. And to be built up by His Word, you, you need to first find the rock. When you find the promise, you start digging into the promise. You don't just settle on the promise. Have you ever been, built a, have, have they built buildings where you, ah, okay, we found rock. Okay, now put the cement bar. Come. No. They start digging into the we, We've had our promises. Then we will say, oh, I, have, I will be a lender to nations. I will be, not be a borrower, but I will be a lender. Hallelujah. And we've hit rock. And we've hit rock. And now we're like, okay, time to put the concrete in doesn't work like that. You've got to dig into the rock. Come on, come on. You have to dig into the rock. You know how? You have to apply the word. How, how does that work? Well, the Bible says that I should be a lender, not a borrower. Oh, great. Okay, here. Take. The, the best one to lend to is God. Why? Is because He promises an interest in return. There's another, there's another message to I'll preach on it one more time. Uh, another time. But when you give to God, when you give to the poor, the Lord returns to you. Then, then there's another one. You can just give. Now he watches. He looks at you. And, and every time you give, you're drilling into the rock. You're saying, my faith is not on my money. My faith is not on the world. My faith is not my job. My faith is in the one, the promise.
promise that I've just received. I'm going to drill deep into that promise and I'm going to give and I'm not going to look for a return. I'm going to, I'm going to drill till the Lord begins to build me up. When, if you want to become a lender, which means that God has built you into a house that lends, you have to learn to lend first. You have to define your identity as a lender and not a borrower. Which means that you go to the banks and you don't give in to the temptation of credit cards. You don't give in to the temptation of free loans. Yeah, I'm preaching really good today. Oh brother, what do we do? Save your money. Save your money and cash your car. Save your money and cash that phone. Save your money and cash that house. It's easier, isn't it? Easier. The house that you're building is not on the rock. The house that you're building is on sand. Because when the wind comes, and the rain comes, oh, but pastor, I'm not, I'm not next to the sea. And my house is in Kerala. Guess what? In Kerala, there was so much of floods that the, the floods went up to 15 feet and the houses were drowning. The houses were swimming. And people sitting here were sitting on hot bricks. I don't know what to do. My house, is, my house is going, my house is going, my house is going. Your house is going. Yeah, you have no control over something that you built without building on the rock. Come on. Go back to um, Matthew 7. <laughs> I tell you, you know, there's certain things that I remove off the video. Um, you know, I wish the people in the world would come and listen to what you listen to. <laughs> in this in this parable, Jesus gives us a key word. Okay, say key word. This is your password. All right. So he says, verse twenty-four. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man. Now that word, the key word over there is here, not here. Here. Look at me. Here. Not here. Here. Okay? He says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, sayings of mine, which means there's more to the word than just the word. There's an intention in the word that comes to your hearing. That word here in Greek is the word akoo. Okay, it's where we get the word acoustics from. Okay, so what it means is that God has given all his children, all of humanity, a faculty of hearing. Which means in order for you to hear, there's an instrument that he put in here that has good acoustics. You know when we when we when when we're building a, a studio, a music studio, a recording studio, which we're gonna have as a church, when, when we're building it, when we're building it, we we look for the, the right acoustic equipment. Why? Is because that acoustic equipment absorbs sound. Do you understand? And God has given us a faculty of hearing that knows how to absorb sound. Okay? 
So when God is speaking to us and he's giving us his word, it's not just any sound. That you can just, okay, it's just words that are coming out of his mouth. Okay, there's a promise. He just gave a promise. And he gave a promise to Abraham and then it didn't happen for so many generations. Look at the poor guy. I mean, like, I mean that's you listening to just sound. But when you understand that you've been given a faculty, an acoustic set in your, in your ears, now it, it has the ability to absorb his intention. It has the ability to absorb God's intention in the promise that he gives you. So when, when you hear the promise of God, you're also receiving his intention. Now, in the, in the word of God, in, in his intention, God does not speak without faith. Because all his promises come with a yes and an amen. So when it comes with a yes and an amen, it already embeds, it, it's, it embeds faith in itself. So the intention of God in his promise to you is that there's a, there's a yes and amen, there's faith for you to receive. The word in what you're hearing. Now I stood up on the stage, and I would never do it if I was in my right senses. And I stood up on the stage when there's a worldwide pandemic. That and I said, one week. You understand? You have to have faith. If you don't have faith, it is just another word. But faith is God's intention in His communication. He's speaking to you, and when he speaks to you, he'll say, "Yeah, you're going to come out of debt. You're going to, you're going to, going to I'm going to clear out your credit card. I'm going to clear out your bank loans. I'm going to clear out your car loans. I'm going to, clear, I, I have great plans for you. You can listen to these words as just another preach, or you can listen to to it with an intention of receiving faith, because faith comes by hearing, brother. It does not come by anything else. It comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing what." Hearing the word of but faith does not come by listening. There's a difference. You can listen to the word or you can hear the word. Because hearing, God has given you the faculty of understanding. Because in the word, he has released faith. If you're just listening to the word and your faith is not growing, then you're listening and not hearing. So when I, when I talk about hearing, I'm talking about your ability, God-given ability to understand. So what that means is every time you receive a promise, you receive a word from God, there has to be application in mind when you walk out of these doors. If you're not hearing with application in mind, then you're not understanding what you're hearing. Yes. Are we getting quiet now? All of a sudden, <laughs> I'm expanding your capacity to not be churchy. Yeah. I'm expanding your capacity to be relational with God. Right. So God made a promise to Abraham. And when he made the promise to Abraham, did it happen straight away? No. What happened to Abraham? He said, Abraham, you will become a father of many nations. Abraham said, God, please give me one. <laughs> We're talking big, big stuff. If today, give me one. Give me one, sir. Give me one, sir. That's what it means. 
sun. You're talking stars in the sky, grain of sands and all that kind of stuff. I'm sitting here looking at this great God. What a, just Please. So God did not give him one. He took him on a journey. He took him on an adventure. What was his adventure? Abraham, I want you to move from here. Leave your family. Leave my family? And all you take, just take all your cameras, all everything, everything. Just take all of it, your snakes, everything. Just move. Go, go, go. I want to take you to a land. Oh, you're giving me land as well? <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, come on, everybody. I don't know who's talking to me, but come, come, come. You, you must understand, he was a heathen. He's hearing your voice. But he understands that this is God. That's all that matters. Understand that this is God talking. And so he packs up all his, everything and they start leaving. And Lord, where am I going? Just go.
Can you give your phone away? I want to bless you with a new one. Can you give can you give your TV away? Can you give your car away? I want to bless you with a new one. See, you must understand that unless you make you you make you give God the ability to to uh, by, by by giving away your stuff, you give God the opportunity to give you more. Yeah. By giving away, you're making room for more. And you must understand that it's not just money, it's it's everything. It's everything, even your time, even your effort, even your energy, even your, your relationships with people. When you, you spend time with people, what do you do? Do you just sit and drink chai or do you sit and dwell on the word? confidence 
So now in this kind of trouble, you have to measure yourself. Am I, am I do I have a joyful confidence? Or do I have confidence? Or am I joyful? Like what's it? Do I have anything? Or do I have fear? Please, you have to, this is how you, you measure yourself now, and then you say, okay, I need to apply this word. I need to have joyful confidence, right? So even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character. And proven, proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can see now and experience the endless love of God cascading, oh wow, into our hearts, to the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is the promise of the Father. This is the promise that God gave us. And this promise that lives on the inside of us is is giving us the ability to experience an endless love that cascades like a waterfall. It falls like constantly through the Holy Spirit into our hearts. In the midst of trouble. This is not, this is having a good day in the midst of trouble. When you begin to experience this cascading love of God. It's just like a waterfall. He's like, oh, you're in trouble? Let me just love you some more. Let me just love you. Let me just pour out my love upon this nation. Let me just pour out my love upon you so that you can begin to overflow into this nation and your cities and, and into your workplaces and your businesses. He wants to fill you with love that cascades from his heart to yours. It's amazing. But you must understand that if a person wants to become an Iron Man, not the Marvel character. I know, see, they just looked up at me. So what does he say? But you know the Iron Man, the guy that does the swimming, the running, the cycling, you know that stuff, Iron Man? Yeah? Strong man, whatever they want to call that, strong man race, whatever it is, Spartan, all, all those races. You can't take today if you decide, I don't know, Iron Man. Uh, go and apply for the race. Go, go, try. <laughs> go and apply for the race and say, yeah, I'm ready to go, I'm ready. Got my shoes on, buy new shoes, buy new t-shirts, buy new shorts, tights, whatever you want to wear, everything. I'm ready, got my water bottle in hand, I need my, uh, what, um, uh, what's it called, energy drink, uh, and my um, Pokari sweat, whatever, you know, I just advertise for them, but anyway, I have all, all this stuff ready, I'm ready for the race. Are you? Right? You start running now, for the first leg is 30 kilometers of, of, a, of, a, of running. Huh? And you, 30, 30 kilometers? I thought it was 3 kilometers. No, Iron Man, it's a test of your endurance. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, okay, okay. So maybe next year? 30 kilometers, 70 kilometers running, 70 kilometers swimming, 70 kilometers cycling. And then after that you have to walk to the finish line. Depending on how what your fitness endurance level is. And and you think that you can do it from from the from the you wake up tomorrow and you decide, ah I am man, I am man, man. But you can walk around your office and say, I am man, I am man, I am man, I'm a man. I'm 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 look at 
can walk around and talk all the rubbish you want. But when the time comes for you to do the test, this is a flop movie. Flop show. Nobody buys tickets to watch you. <laughs> I am God's child. I have faith. I am bigger. No, you believe on the rock, on the sand. See, to build on the rock, you have to decide two years from now. I'm going to get into Iron Man. <laughs> no, no, not even one year. Maybe three years from now, I'll get Iron Man. At my fitness level, probably about five years. Because <laughs> my abs are hiding in the mouth. <laughs> And hibernation. This nation is hibernation. Third <laughs> one, we forget the comedy show. I have a point to say, I have a point to make. And so now you decide, okay, three years from now, I will experience the resurrection. No, no. I, 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 will, I, will, I am ready to be tested. I know I'll be ready to be tested three years from now. And so you start, you wake up tomorrow morning and you say, I'm going to go to Florida. Okay, I'm going to do 3 kilometers because first thing is 70 kilometers. Today I'll do 3 kilometers. And I'll start. After about 2 kilometers, like, uh, hamstring. <laughs> you ran the first 3 and you walk back. Because <laughs> your hamstrings are the pulling. So, okay, fine. Now, now I need to fix the, the hamstring. So, I have to forgot, I just started running, man. I just started running. Maybe I should do some stretches before that. <laughs> stretch, stretch. Ah, great. Okay, I feel, I feel flexible now. Okay, good. Now let me run. So you run the, the second day, you run the three kilometers better. Yeah. Why? It's because you learn that you can't just wake up and go for a run. You have to stretch. <laughs> you have to warm your muscles. You have to let the blood get in. So you hear what happens? You're on a stretch. See, the test is building you up. The test is building you up. You want to do the test, the test is building you up. You have to stretch. If Jesus says, man, healing is my virtue upon you, can heal the sick, cast out demons, stretch. Anybody got a headache? Stretch. In church, they say, stretch out your hand and put on your Ah, yeah, stretch. Okay. Ah, uh, okay, fine. Is it, did it get healed? Ah, uh, no, it didn't get healed. Okay, great. Yeah. Stretch. I'm stretching my faith. Stretching my faith. Stretching my faith. Stretching my faith. Every time God speaks to me, I'm stretching my faith. I believe this word. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually stretching the faith that He gave me. I'm stretching that faith and I'm applying it. I'm applying it. I'm applying it. And then eventually, now you start healing headaches, and then you heal cancer in the body, and then you heal AIDS in the body. And now, and now the test becomes bigger and bigger, and then you walk to, to, into a place where, hello, you walk into a place where uh, somebody's dead, and then now you, you don't know, but the faith in you says, you can raise them up. Lay hands on the sick. Raise, the person's dead. Lay hands on the dead. The dead person comes back to life. Oh, good. Excellent. excellent. See, we are all on a race to becoming someone. We're all being tested every single day to become Christ-like. This is the final. That's who God has called us to be. He is the Iron Man. He is the one who, when he is tested, can pass all the tests without even breaking a sweat. 
Do you understand? And so now, we must understand that it takes every day. You have to work at your faith. You have to work at God's word. You have to apply it in your life. You have to believe it. You have to, you have to see yourself fail and then succeed again and then succeed again and succeed and succeed. And every time you succeed, you keep on going and going. We will, we are, we are not yet there, but we will get there slowly. But when the coronavirus news comes at you, it's a test. To see whether you listen to the prophetic word that God gave us for 2020. You will remember that day when Pastor John stood up on the stage and said, this is a virus-free zone. So which means, if I'm submitted to Life Church Global and I'm submitted to Pastor John's voice and his word, now I'm submitted to the voice of God in my life and now I've received the promise. You don't question the promise. You apply the word in your life. You don't challenge the, the promise of God. You don't say, I want to not come into church because I have to wash my hands. And so many people in the church were sitting there all breathing the same air. What might happen? <laughs> Let me tell you something. There are angels that are sanctifying this air as we speak. The presence of God in this room is sanctifying the air. It is sanctifying the seats that you're sitting on. It is sanctifying your body. His blood has cleansed you from every virus. You can't take
in me. He rested. I will no longer talk much with you. He's talking to his disciples, not to you and I. For the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Okay, I want you to look up at me. This is very important now. Jesus came to fulfill all righteousness and he was righteous before God and before man. And his statement here is so significant for the times that we live in. The test that came at Jesus' way. Please don't think that the test was took him on the cross. That was not his test. Jesus chose to die. It wasn't his test. The test was that when the enemy came, could the enemy find something of himself in Jesus? When the virus comes, it passes by you in somebody else. And he wants to see whether you've believed in it. Now I'm not saying be, be foolish, I'm not saying I'm not saying that. But I'm saying be wise. What have you built within you? Do you have so much of the word of media and what the news outlets are talking about this virus and talking about what is happening to humanity on the inside of you? Because if it is, when the test does come to your doorstep, does that test see itself in you? Because if it is, then that's an invitation for it to attack you. Some of you are repenting right now. It's a good opportunity. Just repent. Just say, God, I have, I've read that news when you told me not to read it. When you told me not to depend so much on it. You are the ones, God. Your word is life. And you, you should have had more of Jesus in you. In fact, you should have all of Jesus on the inside of you. You've spent too much time building your house, building your life upon a sand that when the test comes, crashes and grim is its fall. Or, no matter what the test is, one of the ways you know, one of the ways you know that there's nothing of that virus in you is in the way you conduct yourself around people. It's in the way you walk into your office. It's in the way you shake hands. It's in the way you hug people. See, I tell you, this virus has come to rob people of love. It's come to rob people of touch. It says, now separate. There's a, there's a denomination of the church in Italy who has made a statement said, we, we're going to have the service only outdoors. And everybody has to be three feet from each other. And they're preaching about Jesus and his blood that washes away and cleanses every sin and disease. 
that's the world we're looking for hope if the church does not have hope. Who does the world look to? Who do these people look to who don't have a voice to speak on their behalf? Who, who does the world look to when they have no other way but you are the way? You are the way. You're the one who points to a higher reality that says, listen, yes, there's a virus. Yes, there's an economy. What is it called? A crash. What is that thing called? Recession. Yes. I don't even remember the name. That's how much it's not in me. <laughs> yeah, there's a recession and there's a virus and all that kind of stuff. It has, when it comes, it has nothing in me. Look, look my, my office is sanitized because I'm in it. <laughs> I said, well, you know, some people might be like, yeah, yeah, this guy's talking, let's see. Let's see. I'm, 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 my wife and I sat in a plane of over 300 people wearing masks. And Kelsey and I made a statement by saying we're not going to wear masks. That's what it means. That's what it means to stand. That's what it means to stand in the gap for people who cannot. I said, God, these people are suffering, but I will stand in the gap for them. When the virus comes to the plane, it knows that it cannot touch the plane. Why? Because the plane is protected by the blood of Jesus. And the presence of God is in that plane. No one in that plane will be affected by any virus. So when we left the plane, I was like, you're welcome, you're welcome, you're welcome, you're welcome. Take off the mask, don't worry about it. The mask cannot save you, but the blood of Jesus can save you. The name of Jesus can save you. very important statement that we need to ask ourselves. When we go to the office and your boss is angry with you, is there anything of the enemy in you? If the devil comes knocking on your door, which he won't, because he has no authority, let's say you welcome him. Knocks on your door. And if you open the door, can he find himself in you? Or can he find Jesus? Because if he finds Jesus, then he'll say, hey, wrong house. Sorry, boss. Sorry, boss, wrong house. I came here by mistake. <laughs> I don't make it better, you know. I don't make it better. You, you, you. No, no, you, you have. You have it. You have the guy. You have power. You have the spirit. You have love. And you have a sound mind. It looks like you have a sound mind. So I want to encourage you today. This is the last week for the virus. It doesn't really exist after that. I want to encourage you to stand. Not because you, are, you came to a Friday service. But stand as the peace of the storm in your office. Stand when your wife has listened to all the rubbish in the news and she comes at you and your mother and your father and wash your hands with them. Yeah, just honor them. But be the peace in the house. Be a word of encouragement. Be edified people. Encourage people. Say, listen, life, we have we have come. Why you 
came was the bomb, you know, that the world was going to end, that the Mayan calendar was going to end the world, and then SARS virus and AIDS and all that, everything, the media told us the world was going to end. But is it ended? We're still here. The Church of Jesus Christ is still here. We are that beacon of hope. We are that beacon of hope.